Welcome to another edition of Organic Matters. For those of you that keep up regularly on the podcast or one of the radio shows, last week I did a whole quarter of the show on what I called hot vegetables. What do you grow when it gets this hot and this this intense as it does most every year? But this has actually been a record-breaking heat wave year in the Pacific Northwest. All the western states are facing at least another week or more of intensive heat, affecting at least about 18 million people in the western part of our country. This time of year, some somewhat always challenging just because of the intense heat we get, but this is going to be exceptional. So last week we talked about what hot vegetables to grow. This week I'm going to try to give you some of my ideas of what you can do in this intense heat to either save or at least maintain your garden until things, I can't say get back to normal. I'm not sure what normal is anymore. But at least we can do our best so that whatever this heat wave is breaks and, and kind of resolves itself. This time of year, even if there's not a heat wave, many of the inquiries I receive relate to dealing with the heat and the extreme temperatures in a garden this time of year. In hot weather like this, there's two main challenges. The first is the temperatures themselves, of course. And the second is just keeping up with your real watering needs. If you take a few simple steps, you can keep your vegetable plot mm, lush, healthy, or at least alive and able to maintain its self for the near future. Before I go on, just in case, if you've not yet established your garden plot, I really recommend thinking about what I call the resilience from the onset, from the first concept that you have. Think about extreme weather conditions, which is obvious now. Plant for as much biodiversity as possible and make a like climate resilient garden through the plants you choose and the ways in which you think about your soil, your water, and other factors. Remember, growing in rows in a traditional vegetable garden, which is what I was always taught, is not the only option. Perennial planting schemes like forest gardens can make your garden far more resilient. Whatever extreme weather conditions, climate change will bring you, you if you're still lucky enough to, or maybe unlucky enough, but have not already established your garden, you might consider it. It's definitely, at least by forecasts that I've learned, Climate change is almost the new normal. And I guess I should just assume, since you're listening to this particular broadcast, you may probably already have a vegetable plot, and you've just been caught out by a heat wave or, of course, normal heat for this time of year. So, of course, think about shade. Shade can reduce temperatures considerably. It can stop certain plants from bolting prematurely. And, of course, shade can reduce water use. Typically, vegetable plots in temperate to warm climate zones are intentionally positioned in full sun, or at least close to full sun. But when there's extreme heat, these spots can become scorching. So adding shade during the hottest periods will certainly help. Shade cloth, of course, is a simple option available most everywhere these days. But remember, you can use reclaimed natural fabrics if you want to be a kind of a more eco-friendly kind of gardener. And do consider shading with other plants. That can incidentally also be beneficial. Think about using trees or shrubs or taller annual plants to provide shade for those other plants which they need it just by placing those shade plants in the exactly right position in your garden. Another option is to place a trellis or other support structure with climbing plants that provide some shade during the right time of the day. 
When I use my trellises, I carefully do think, well, that's what they're there for. They're there also to grow me something. You can do a win-win. There's certain plants that are much more heat tolerant than others and really will take that full, full sun and still provide you with another food source or at best plant one of the legumes that's very, very heat tolerant. And there are some. And then it becomes part of the fertilizer later in the year for your garden. A good layout in the garden can really make a big difference. Since certainly a far majority of who listens to my shows live in what we call the Northern Hemisphere, folks. So remember that shade plants should be positioned to the south or west of other plants to provide shade during the hottest part of the day. Another process I always try to remember is to make sure the soil is covered, either with mulch or living plants, to reduce water loss from the soil and reduce, actually, uh, the soil temperature several degrees. Remember, protecting your garden during a heat wave includes taking care of the soil and its complex web of life. Feed the soil, let the soil feed the plant. It's not just your plants. And an area of bare soil will emit far more heat than an area that's either vegetated or covered by a good mulch. The best time to think about irrigation and watering is course before extreme weather arrives but you can still beat the heat in your gardens if you think about these things once the hot weather gets here obviously during hot weather water needs are going to increase so manual watering can a little bit be more of a challenge although at least you're in better charge if you not already have a sustainable watering system such as drip irrigation or my clay pot method you may know about or water globe irrigation uh, for a smaller space Now would be a good time to think about putting them in place. Consider adding automation to make it easier to make sure you meet the water needs of your plants. Though, of course, you should always make sure you have a sustainable water supply. And I bring this up probably too often on my shows. And remember, rainwater harvesting systems can really save you in times of extreme stress. Choosing the right bed edging can also help you beat the heat. Materials with high thermal mass catch and store the sun's heat during the day and release it slowly when temperatures fall. So they can actually help keep temperatures more stable in the whole garden area. While particularly beneficial in a greenhouse or other undercover growing areas, adding thermal mass may also be beneficial in other areas of your garden. Choose materials like stone, clay, earth, I personally have used a number, they're not the most attractive gardens, with cinder blocks, and then you fill those cinder blocks with soil. If those blocks are put in properly, and that's easy to figure out, you can actually fill them with soil and grow a number of herbs and other useful spices and things right around the very garden that you're also using the blocks to design. They actually even help to beat the heat in the summer and help with the cold temperatures in the winter also. It's a, it's a good option, and you can make them attractive. When I built for a friend of mine, we actually stuccoed. She knew it was going to be there for as long as she'd ever going to be there. So we took the time, and it looked almost like we had built her an adobe garden. To make your garden an even more pleasant place to be in the summertime, you might like to consider making sure that you have shaded seating areas. Under trees is great. Arbors, pergolas, or other structures clad with climbing plants can give you a a real respite from the heat in the hottest months of the year. One of the gardens I designed several years back, we actually put a pool in. 
Now, it wasn't like a swimming pool pool. It was sort of what I would say a semi-natural pool. Looked great in the garden. There were a few koi in it. Don't let them bother you. Talk about refreshing when you're out in the garden. Be able to take a quick dip right there in the, in the garden itself was really, really kind of fun. And finally, if you're really a garden lover like I am, think about ways to make the most of your homegrown produce. For example, create some cooling cordials. You can invent some great smoothies, even use some of your berries and other sweet fruit to make some very interesting and different, oh, and good for you, ice creams. And don't forget to make some nice cool salads from your homegrown vegetables. So while I realize there's no one easy answer, I hope this has given you a few ideas. I think personally that we are have more of this to come, folks. Uh, the climate change thing, I try to do a quarter on it every show. And I've been doing them now for a decade or more. I was, what was, I was talking about climate change when climate change wasn't hot yet. Pardon my pun. And remember, organic gardening is good for your garden, good for the environment, and overall, especially, good for your health. Since we've actually been talking heat for this last few minutes of this quarter of the show, I'm actually going to kind of give you a rundown of everything I can find that relates to these, this current heat wave. I'm going to put a little twist on it because we've already talked about our Pacific Northwest. I'm going to take a look at what, uh, so we don't even think about in this part of the country or the world, what's going on in Europe and other places. While the Pacific Northwest of our own country here was setting new records for high temperatures from June and July, many other places across the globe also have experienced unprecedented heat. Places in Russia and Scandinavia, including locations above, this is very strange, the Arctic Circle set new records for temperatures higher than they've ever been recorded. The heat wave in Europe was the result of a persistent northward, what we call a bulge, in the polar jet stream. This blocking pattern in the jet stream has been prevalent over the Scandinavian area this year and has contributed to unusually hot conditions there. Further east, similar conditions have created unusually warm temperatures even up into Siberia. On June 23 of this year, Moscow reached a temperature of 94.6 degrees, the hottest June temperature ever on record. Helsinki, Finland, pretty far north, set a record of 89.1 degrees. And Belarus, another pretty northern part of the world, 96.3. And Estonia at 94.3. All set new all-time records. And in the town of Siskaila, that's north of the Arctic Circle, folks, in Siberia. The temperature went up to 90 degrees on the 20th of June. That's not just a little higher, folks. It's several degrees higher than it's ever been recorded since we started recording temperatures. To kind of bring it back home, high temperature records have been broken in many places. The all-time record high for June for all of Mexico was at Mexicali, which is in Baja, California, on the 17th of June, when the temperature this year reached 125 degrees. Palm Springs, California, well known for its desert heat anyway, nonetheless set another new all-time high temperature, 123 degrees, and also set a new record for the warmest overnight temperature ever on a June night anywhere in North America. The low that night was 105 degrees. To throw my two cents worth in, which I 
most always do. Stories like this have become all too common in the last years, especially sort of the last decade, and are undoubtedly going to occur with greater and greater frequency as the world's climate continues to react to the growing buildup of greenhouse gases in our atmosphere. And yes, folks, we're a big part of the problem. Thanks for staying tuned to Organic Matters. Matters.